Hi, I'm Dr. Wamboi, and welcome to the Drag Chat. I think that the human body is intricately created, making us one of the most amazing living things on earth. In this podcast, we explore how the body works and then apply the drugs. My hope is that with this knowledge, we become better healthcare providers, whatever field of medicine you may be in, better caregivers to our patients or to ourselves. We do take medicines from time to time, don't we? All right, let's break it down. As I always remind you, the human body is one of the most amazing pieces of art, banan. And the growth factors we're going to be talking about today will not disappoint in how they work, okay? So now, growth factors, they are a group of proteins that regulate the growth and differentiation of the cells. So basically, their their work is to tell the cells, all right, cell A, you will grow up and become X, or your hand, or your nail, or whatever. And it also directs the division of uh, into new cells. Uh, and yet others, what their work is, is to stop the growing or um, apoptosis of the cells. So you can see they work in the cell, and they are the ones that decide, you know, how when I grow up as a cell, what am I going to differentiate and become to, and also regulate how my growth as a cell, okay? Now, this signals that the growth factors, uh, their functions, to perform their functions, it is made possible by the growth factor binding to the receptors that are on the cell surface. Remember, lock and key concept. So the growth factor has to bind to the receptor so that the work that is supposed to begin can begin. So once the two bind, it sends a signal inside the cell. And that signal that is sent inside the cell is what sets off a chain of complicated chemical reactions. Uh, So some very smart people out there figured out that these growth factors exist and that they exist with receptors and that more than anything, bringing it to what we are talking about, if they played around with these growth factors or the receptors or both of them, they will be able to stop the growth of cancers. Voila. Okay. So one of the growth factors that we'll talk about is called epidermal growth factor. And for, for short, because, you know, we don't think too widely, is EGF. And EGF is associated to its receptor, of course, EGF receptor or EGFR. So in cancer, the growth factors and or their receptors, they are in abnormally high levels. What we say, like um, they are overexpressed on the surface of the many types of cancer cells, resulting in excessive division and growth of these cells. And this makes sense. You know, for the cancer cell to be overgrowing, to be overdividing, there must be some signals that are telling it grow, grow, grow. And that's why I'm saying that the EGF and the EGFR will be overexpressed on the surface of, the, of some types of cancer cells. Okay. 
So obviously, if we can just come up with drugs that are going to stop this binding or they can turn off these EGFs, um, we might just have a chance in beating the cancer. And that's exactly what some very smart scientists did. They figured a way that this lock and key don't interact or they figured a way that um, the signal is not sent, right? So some other growth factors to talk about is something we call the vascular endothelial growth factor, VEGF for short, or V-E-G-F, VEGF. Now, this control blood vessel development. And this, the process of uh, developing blood, vessel, blood vessels is also referred to as angiogenesis, the formation of new blood vessels. So angiogenesis occurs or is controlled when VEGF binds to its receptor, which is VEGFR, V-E-G-F-R. So, and you will see this a lot in normal circumstances. You'll see this a lot when there's growing, when there's growing or healing. So, of course, for the tumor to grow, it needs a large supply of oxygen and a large supply of food. And so these cancer cells have devised a way to do this by making sure that new blood vessels are built quickly to supply it with all its needs. Right? So, of course, if I can figure out a way to turn off this VEGF or the VEGFR, then I'll be able to curb the growth of these cancer cells. Right? So, then there's yet another one. Uh, they are the platelet derived endothelial growth, and there's also a uh, growth factor, and also there's a fibro, uh, fibroblast growth factor. They also control blood vessel development and they also play a role in tissue repair and regeneration, uh, respectively. Okay. So, again, these are some of the growth factors that we are talking about that the different drugs that we come up with will be trying to stop. Because if the tumor is growing, there's something that makes the tumor grow, so turn that off. If there's something that feeds the tumor, then let's turn that off, okay? That's the whole concept. So in cancer treatment, various growth factor inhibitors will work. And how do they work? They work either to lower the levels of the growth factor. Remember, in some cancer cells, they are overexpressed. So we need to lower the amount of growth factors there, right? Or they'll work, the inhibitors will work by blocking the growth factor receptor, on the cancer cell from interacting. So that and one of the inhibitors work is to make sure that the key and lock do not meet, okay? That they do not interact. And another way is that they could, they, these inhibitors could work by blocking the signals inside the cell. So fine, the, the um, key and lock, they bind. Once they bind, they're supposed to send a, um, a signal inside the cell telling it what to do. So another thing that the inhibitors could do, they could stop those triggers. They could stop that signal from being released. So either we decrease the growth factor um, levels or we make sure that the growth factor and the receptor never interact. Or if they do interact, we make sure that the signal that is usually sent when that interaction occurs does not happen. And so one of the classes that we are now going to look at is the tyrosine kinase inhibitors.
Okay, so the tyrosine kinase inhibitors is a class of drugs, but they are a family of enzymes. And remember, enzymes are catalysts, right? They make a reaction go faster or they make a the signal go faster or um, whatever reaction is happening to happen, right? So the tyrosine kinase gets activated when the key and lock bind. Huh. So remember, that is one of the ways that the inhibitors work. So when the key and lock bind, then the tyrosine uh, gets uh, activated and usually it sends a signal in turn. So because it's activated, phosphorylation happens and there's an initiation of an intracellular cascade of activities leading to cell proliferation, cell differentiation, cell migration, metabolism, and programmed cell death. So in as much that the um, growth factor and the receptor are combining, are interacting, once that interaction occurs, then it activates something inside the cell. And one of those things that is activated is the tyrosine kinase. And once that is activated, it sends um, messages through um, the cell with a cascade of activities of the cell to uh, grow, differentiate, migrate, metabolize, metabolism, and program cell death. Okay. So obviously, what did we come up with? Tyrosine kinase inhibitors. And sometimes you'll see them re referred to as TKIs because we thought, all right, even if they bind, that's fine. But how about we block the tyrosine kinase from setting off the cascade of, in, uh, of activities inside the cell? Pretty genius, right? Okay. So this class of drugs, though, is very large. I think I checked. They must be, uh, and I'm only going to quote the FDA, right? probably about 50 drugs in this class. There are probably more by now, but I'll say about 50, right? And in this category, many, so many in these drugs, we may call them tyrosine kinase inhibitors, but the way they work um, could overlap with other category, categories of drugs. So when you see the naming of the tyrosine kinase inhibitors, they have a suffix of nib, N-I-B. And yet you will see others that have a, an, that end with MAB, M-A-B. Now, as you can remember, MAB is the monoclonal antibody, right? So the NIBs are tyrosine kinase inhibitors and some are reversible, like gefitinib. They are reversible, meaning the way that they are working can obviously be reversed, right? While others like neratinib are irreversible. So this class of drugs has some irreversible drugs and some um, reversible drugs. Um, and they, like I said, most of the drugs in this class will end with the suffix NIB, okay? So then there are the MABs, the monoclonal antibodies. So like bevacizumab, it falls under the class of it falls under the class of um, tyrosine kinase inhibitors, but it's also a monoclonal antibody, right? So they are also, for example, anti-growth um, factors, the epidemiological epidemi uh, growth factor. But additionally, they are also antibodies like cetuximab. It is a monoclonal antibody that targets the epidermal growth factor receptor that is overexpressed in some tumors. So some tumors have a lot of EGFR and cetuximab, which is a monoclonal antibody, 
targets that. So you can see how it's falling into two classes. It is a nib, but it's also um, a monoclonal antibody. So it binds to the receptor, inhibiting the binding of the EGF. Now, cetuximab as a monoclonal antibody is specific and has a high uh, affinity blocking the ligand that induces the phosphorylation of the EGFR. Okay, so the th the th what I want you to appreciate from that is that drugs like cetuximab, they may be a tyrosine kinase inhibitor, but they are also a monoclonal antibody and they have a high specificity and high affinity for the, for the ligand that they are blocking. So as opposed to gefitinib, which is not a monoclonal antibody, However, it also is an inhibitor of EGFR. It inhibits the catalytic activity of tyrosine kinase and it competes, you know, for the binding site, all right? So when it does that, there's no phosphorylation, uh, no messages are sent to the cell for growth. I'll give you yet another example, and this one is the sunitinib. Sunitibring, the reason I bring this one up just to show the differences is because it inhibits multiple tyrosine kinases that are found in the vascular endothelial growth factor receptors. All right. So as we can see, so there are some that are reversible, some are irreversible. Others fall into two categories where they are tyrosine kinases, but they are also monoclonal antibodies. And yet others are, um, they, they, they block more than one tyrosine kinase. So they are multi, multiple tyrosine kinase inhibitors, right? And you can see that these tyrosine kinase inhibitors, they could be listed as anti-EGFR because they work at the epidermal uh, growth factor receptor, or they could be anti-VEGF, or they could be anti-FGF, or they could be anti-PDGF, right? So I know sometimes it can be confusing. Just remember that at the end of the day, all they're doing is they're going to block the ty their tyrosine kinase inhibitors. How they do that is different depending on are they blocking VEGF, EGP, with, you know, basically which growth factor are they blocking or they're working through? I hope that's clear. So some, um, as when it comes to um, side effects, uh, adverse effects, I'm going to talk about them generally. And even if I am talking about them generally, remember that there are those common side effects that you'll find in all of them. However, different ones depending on exactly which growth factor they block is could could explain um, different adverse effects associated. So as far as common side effects that you will find with them will be nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, muscle cramps, bone pain, fatigue, and rashes. Okay, so it's possible, obviously, like we said, with side effects for some people to have them and for some other people not to have them, right? But then there's some serious side effects that will include the low numbers of red blood cells and white blood cells and platelets. But a big one also with this class is that you it's possible to see fluid retention and the fluid retention could be in the lungs, the heart and the stomach, okay? And uh, another serious side effect could be hypothyroidism. 
Now, another way to think about these adverse effects from this class would be like, for example, those ones that are uh, work at the EGFR, the ones that are anti-epidermal growth factor receptor, right? They will have cut cutaneous ADRs due to their association with normal skin integrity, right? As opposed to those ones that are anti-VEGF, right, vascular, then they will have a role in blood vessel survival. Therefore, the ADRs associated will be cardiovascular toxicities, uh, particularly hypertension, okay? Now, tyrosine kinase inhibitors are primarily metabolized via the cytochrome P453A4. Remember those guys? Yeah. Now, other enzymes play a secondary role. So I'm sure you'll see some that have uh, 2C9 involved or other cytochrome P450 enzyme, but primarily it's 3A4 that metabolizes. And predominantly when it comes to excretion, you will see it done, um, the excretion being in the feces and a little bit of it also in the, um, in the urine, okay? So those are our tyrosine kinase inhibitors. They are a big one because, um, like I said, probably over 50 drugs, uh, 50 or even more drugs that have been approved. And um, their growth factor is what is involved. And different growth factors will definitely have the enzyme tyrosine kinase. And so these inhibitors are able to work in multiple ways. All right, so... Here we are, growth factors, amazing proteins. I am Dr. Wamboy, and thanks for listening to this episode of The Drug Chat. If you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcast, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And remember to share with your friends. Until next time, stay inquisitive. Bye.